Wow, what a morning. And uh, we're talking about uh, launching a, an additional service. We're going to have a third service for notices soon because there's just <laughs> so many of them. <clears throat> so that'll be after this meeting, there'll be another meeting for all the notices. But wow, what a morning it's been just to uh, sing our praises to God, our adoration to him. And I just want to commend Lizzie and the band, because it was fantastic this morning. She just really facilitated us in our worship. And we're going to just carry on worshipping him as we look into the word of God. And we're, we're doing another kind of two-week two um, mini-series within our discipleship series. We, a couple of weeks ago, we did <coughs> excuse me, on... Uh, two weeks on serving, and Adam last week then started on worship, and we're going to just continue this week looking at the, the topic of worship. And it's been a great morning, actually, to lead us into this topic of talking about worship. And actually, fantastic songs that Lizzie chose this morning, really fantastic. Just singing about who he is, and singing about the Lamb has overcome. He sympathizes, sympathizes, I can't even say it, how do you say it, James? He sympathizes, he sympathizes because he has suffered. That was so true what Antia brought, wasn't it? That he, he understands because he suffered, he died. The father turned his face away and he said, where are you? See, he understands our suffering, but the lamb has overcome the Lamb has overcome sin and death, so we no longer need to fear the grave. And when we're talking about worship, it can be a difficult topic to get our head around when we first become Christians, or if you're looking in, it's kind of a bit weird. I remember thinking, this is a bit weird. But I think that about a lot of things. Adam will tell you that in our discussions through the week, that's often something I'll say, well, that's a bit weird. But, but I used to think, this is a bit weird. They're really excited about this. But to be really excited about worship, when we're raising our hands, when we're singing praises to God, it's because we've had a revelation of who he is. And when I fully understood who he was, I had the revelation, it led to adoration. Revelation leads to adoration. You need to have a revelation of who he is. So when we're coming in, we're singing to this almighty being in heaven. We're thinking, well, why does he need this worship? Why does he want this? Why does this do us good? There's a lot of things to get our head around. But revelation leads to adoration. And when we worship, we connect with the Father. When you hear people speaking in tongues or singing in tongues, it's a connection with almighty God. And some, I think it's just good, maybe this morning we'll just step back and have a, a little look at this. Why, why do we do this? Why do we just turn up and sing these songs? This isn't just singing of songs that we do on a Sunday morning. But we, we are singing to an actual person in heaven who is reigning over all creation. And we get to sing to him and he loves it. You know, I've not got a very good voice, so I'm not going to sing to you right now. But he loves it when I sing to him. He loves my praises. Who are we worshipping? Who are we singing to? I just wanted to uh, flick through a few verses before I kind of get to the, the main one that I want to look at this morning. And the prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 1, 
verse 26, has this vision, and he says, above, this is verse 1, chapter 1, verse 26, he says, above, he has this vision of God, above the expanse over their heads, there was this likeness of a throne. In appearance, like sapphire and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness of, a hu- of human appearance. And upward from what was the appearance of his waist, I saw it were like gleaming metal and like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw it was an appearance of fire and there was brightness all around him. Like the appearance of a bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance and the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of the one speaking. This is what we're singing to. This is who we're worshipping. He has this vision. He says, I, I looked kind of above, and I saw this throne, and kind of above the waist was, was like fire and, and a Kind of below the waist was, was like fire. It was just glory. The holiness of God is almost unapproachable, but it is now approachable because of what Jesus did. We can approach the throne of God because of Jesus Christ. These verses blew me away this week. Holiness. Fire around the top half fire around the bottom half but we can approach this because he is almighty he is big i mean let's just have a a stop for a moment and think about how big he is you just think about how big he is he says he holds the world in his hand remember that song we sung the other week with gabriel he's got the whole world in his hand well that's true by his word it came into being think about how big he is well, he's bigger. He's bigger than what you're thinking right now. And we get to approach him. Adam last week talked about worship and he, we talked about how we might struggle. And I think I've gone through those times when I might have struggled. We talked about worship was drawing near. It's difficult to get our heads around sometimes. Drawing near to God who we can't see. But actually, let's think about who he is. Let's not rush in. He's almighty. And we get to approach him. Adam, a quote from Adam Northcroft says, I'm I'm hoping this is what he said. This is what I wrote down, and it sounds good, so I'm going to say it. And you probably won't remember, so it's okay. I'm sure you will, because it was a really good sermon. Adam Northcroft says, The state of the heart will affect the reality, the quality, and the depth of our worship. Sounds about right, doesn't it? Why do we worship? Why does God want our worship? And why does it do us good to worship? Just think about the, this verse from Ezekiel. He, this is actually there. This human, this, this heavenly being on a throne is there right now, surrounded, surrounded right now by millions of angels worshipping him and we get to join in that if we could just have a glimpse of him right now it would change your life forever wouldn't just change today wouldn't just change your week it would change you forever forever 
You ever had those conversations? And I, I probably said it myself when you speak to people and you say, well, yeah, when, I, when I meet God, I, I really want to ask him about this. Why does this happen? Well, when, when the prophets meet him, they say, I saw the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell on my face. I think that's more of an accurate description of what will happen when you meet him. You won't have a, a list of questions that you think I'm going to get to. No, the glory of the Lord will overcome you, and you will fall on your face. You get to worship him, and you get to meet him. We'll all meet him one day. It says one day every knee will bow and every, every tongue will confess. But can I urge you right now, if you don't know him, to make that decision to invite Jesus into your life? Because he says, I am the way. I am the truth. No one gets to the Father except through me. You can do that today. In these very days we're having, last week, somebody gave his life. An internal transaction happened. The Bible talks about that. When, when we do that, <clears throat> it's like surgery. God takes out of us a heart of stone and puts within us a beating heart of flesh. Heart surgery. This isn't just um, trying to attain a different level of morality. No, this is God moving into our heart and, and surgery happening, all because the lamb has overcome, because he hung on the cross and died for us. So when we worship, let's just consider who we're worshipping. We can rush in. We can think, <clears throat> just want to, Sing these songs, Lord, there's this stuff that I've got going on. Just consider who you're coming to. He's not your heavenly butler who you come to with a list of requests. He's almighty God. He's almighty God. It says in Ecclesiastes, I managed to pronounce that correctly, it says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near is to listen. To listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know what they're doing uh, is evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I want to rush in. I'm, I'm the same. Things I want to say. Things I want to pray about. But a wise person would recognize the amazing person that is in heaven that you're about to speak to, that you're about to sing to, and what is required. We're going to look at a verse of what happens, what is an appropriate response of somebody that worships, that comes into the presence of God. If you could, this was working before, there we go. If you could turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 6, this is a verse that we all know, I'm sure. <clears throat> Isaiah 6, I'm from verse 1. 
again another prophet having a vision of God. And he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand, in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And he said, Go. And say this to the people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they will see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until cities lie waste without an inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the Lord removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth may remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed, its stump. I'm just going to go back to the beginning. <clears throat> The prophet Isaiah has this amazing vision and he wonders at his beauty and his majesty. He's in awe of God. Are you in awe of God? There's a trebling of the holy to show how important it is. Psalm 96 talks about worshipping in the beauty of his holiness. And I think this is what Isaiah is doing. He's adoring God's holiness. He's adoring his holiness. Not for what he can get out of God. He's not just giving thanks for what he's done. But he's just adoring him for who he is. Can you imagine that? That's... It's, difficult sometimes to get our head around that just adoring God for who he is we need revelation revelation leads to adoration can you imagine it's like you know you're engaged to be married and you think you're in love with this person they love you and then when you get married and the, that person realizes they can't get their hands on your family money. And when they realize that, they leave. How do you feel? Well, you don't feel loved, not loved for who you are. 
And that can be the case with God. People can drift away from God because they, they're loving him for what they can get. What they're really after are blessings. A blessing bank. And when, when the bank doesn't pay up, you think, well, I'm just going to walk away. You're out of there because they've married God for his money. That's happened. I've seen that happen so many times. Seen, led people to Christ through Alpha and then something happens in their life. God doesn't, that, from their per perspective, God doesn't come through and they leave. It's because they're after his blessings and not him. They were after his hand and not his face. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? But in, in these verses, the seraphim are worshipping him. They're adoring him for who he is. Not for what they benefit from him, but for his beauty, his wonder, and his majesty. We see through the, the New Testament where people have this revelation of Christ. Jesus is talking to his disciples and lots of things are really starting to build up and people are talking about Jesus and he's saying to his disciples, who do people say I am? And they're saying, well, some say Elijah, some say you're a prophet. And he turns to them, about you, who do you say I am? And Peter turns and says, you're the Christ, the Son of God, Son of the living God. In John 11, um, with the story of Lazarus, who died, Jesus is talking to Martha. Martha says to him, I know that he'll rise again. Jesus says, you know, Lazarus is, is going to live. He's, he's going to rise again. And Martha starts, you know, giving a little theology lesson and says, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus says, no, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She says to him, yes, Lord, I believe you're the Christ. You're the Christ. The Son of God who is coming into the world. I remember having these moments in my own life. of I, I, Lots of things happen. Prayers answered in my life. And I thought, yes, there's stuff there's definitely something in this. I did Alpha. And I made that step of faith. I said, Jesus, come into my life. But I didn't fully understand exactly everything that had happened, the transactions that had taken place. I remember sitting in my living room. It's when I, I lived in Vigo and listening to worship. And I just had this revelation. I was worshipping him. I was singing and I had this revelation of who he was and what he had done. It, this is the God who, who the Ezekiel was saying had this picture of the fire around his top half and fire around, around his bottom half as well. And he came down and made himself lowly, made himself poor. He was despised and rejected. And he did that for me and for you. 
He hung on the cross for you and for me. Other times in the New Testament, when uh, the disciples get on, on the boat, Jesus makes them go over onto the boat. He, he says it, he makes them get on the boat and go over the other side. You know, and the disciples are going, well, you know, where, how are you going to get over there, Jesus? And he's like, you know, don't, don't worry, I've got, I've got my own mode of transport. I'm going to get over there. And this storm happens. You know, they've said, well, we've seen the weather report. It's not looking good. But this storm happens. He makes them get in the boat. The storm happens, and he, he comes walking across the water. And he calms the storm gets into the boat, the wind stops, and they start to worship him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Have you had that revelation, if you're here this morning, that truly, he is the Son of God? And what happens with Isaiah, when he encounters God, he, he's overcome, he says, woe is me. We have a realization. You know, we can talk to, I talk to people as well about um, Jesus and, and all sorts of uh, things revolving, revolving around Christianity. And people say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a bad person. I'm, I'm okay. I haven't really done any bad things. And... But when you come into the presence of God, who Jesus said, God alone is good. This is what happens. He says, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. We have that realization when we have a revelation of who he is. I am a man of unclean lips. I used to think the stuff I did was, you know, just, it was all right. It was a bit dodgy, a bit bad, but I'd probably stop it one day. But when I came into the presence of God, I said, woe. Woe is me. I need you. I need you, Jesus. And the right response when we come into this, the presence of God, when we worship him, Isaiah says, here I am. Here I am, send me. He pours out his life as an offering. That's my iPad telling me there's someone going in my front door. Um, <laughs> I can't do that from here. I could probably do it on my phone, but I won't. Um, but the right response when we have that revelation of God is to pour out our lives of, as an act of worship to him. Because in Isaiah, he says, you're going to go to these places, they're not going to listen, they're not going to want to hear, but he still wants to go. Because he has seen almighty God. He pours out his life. In Luke 7, the woman with the alabaster jar, she pours out this ointment and worships Jesus and mops his feet with her hair. And the, the Pharisees and the people with him saying, what is this woman doing? 
but she is pouring out an act of worship to, to Almighty God. She realizes who he is. She's had a revelation of Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, we shouldn't be casual about it. I read lots of things about you know, outreach and evangelism and how churches could be more open to visitors and stuff. And we are, you know, we are increasing in number. People are responding to the gospel. We're having lots of visitors. But I think what will really speak to people is not us just being casual and, you know, let's tone, tone the worship down. No, what really speaks to people, like it spoke to me, is when people come in and see people that are passionate about God because they've really encountered him. And if you really, really have encountered him, you'll really want to worship him in spirit and in truth. Because if they come in and think, well, if this God is so great and so awesome, why are you so casual about it? Let's worship him. Let's get excited about who he is. Because he is almighty. He, he is there right now on his throne, surrounded by millions of angels, and we get to join in with that. That blows me away. When you really stop and think about that, that is what is happening right now. And when we sung this morning, and so excellently in that worship this morning, we were joining in with the angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. So let's not be casual about our worship. Let's be excited about our worship. You know, if Jesus has changed you, people, that's what people want to see, is people, a passionate people about God. Is, well, if, you, if you've met this almighty God, if he's changed your life, then why don't you live any differently than I do? Who knew that I'd turn a sermon on worship into mission? But that's, that's what God wants, is the revelation like, like Isaiah has this vision, and then he says, Woe is me. His sin is taken away. The cold touches his lips. Our sin has been taken away for, for those that are in Christ. And he says, Send me. Send me. That's what people will be asking. Well, if, if you really believe this, if you really believe there's a heaven and a hell, then why aren't you trying to tell more people about it? Because that's a right response of worship as well. Yeah. It's to pour out our lives as an act of worship, is to, is to speak to others. Because when we worship him, when we come to him, we know who he is, we have to. Yeah. We have to. Do you really believe this is true? Yeah. I really believe this is true in my heart. And this is why I want to tell people about him. And I lack courage a lot of the time. But I know when I come into his presence, he emboldens me. He, he gives me the courage that I need. Just, can I just encourage you to spend time worshipping him? That's when revelation comes as well. Revelation comes when you're worshipping him. It does for me. It can work in many different ways. But personal worship. I'm having some fantastic times of encountering God just on my own in my kitchen. 
worshipping him. Can I encourage you to do that? Find some good songs. Find some time when it's, you know you're not going to be disturbed. And worship him. It does something to your soul. When, when we worship, God wants our worship because he knows ultimately that's what is what we were created for, what does us good. And our joy is not fulfilled until it's expressed. It is not fulfilled until it's expressed. And when we express our joy and our delight in him, that's when we meet with him. That's when we encounter him. That's when we hear his voice. That's when he changes our hearts. That's when he emboldens us and gives us courage to go out. Can I just ask the band to come up? Is that all right? We're going to come back to a time of worship. We find true joy and completeness when we find ourselves in God. We find joy when we, when we look at him and not at ourselves. Corrie Ten Boom said, look at the world and you'll get distressed. Look at yourself and you'll get depressed. But look at him and you'll find rest. Look at the world, you'll get distressed. Look at yourself, you'll get depressed. But look at him and you'll find rest. Should we look at him? Can I ask you to stand? He says, come to me this morning. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come. Come to me. Just, just remember again who we're about to sing to, who we're about to approach. We are approaching the throne of God right now. Just, just try and imagine him right now on the throne, surrounded by the angels and because you are in Christ you get to join in with that he hung on the cross for you he paid the price it says on him was laid the iniquity of us all because no matter what you, you, you've done no matter what you thought no matter how you've lived up until this point, for those that are in Christ, the Son sets free. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord Jesus, we, we just approach you this morning and we say we love you. We love you, Lord Jesus. Come and dwell amongst your people again. Embolden your people this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us again. Thank you, Jesus.